Good afternoon, good morning, good night. I think that's right. Welcome back to the Comic-Con Podcast, Season 2, Episode 26. It's your boy Nemesis Prime hosting this bad boy. And of course, I got my man Manuel. What's going on, Zach? What's up, everybody? Um, yeah, just enjoying the summer weather. It's not too hot down here in El Paso. What's the weather there? Um, It's nice today. It was uh, crummy and then nice. So, uh, I yeah. jumped in the pool today. It's not bad. Uh, I have some pool issues. I had to have a guy Still come out today and uh, and take a look at it. So first world problems. It's funny that you don't know anything about your pool. I don't. You've owned your house for a few years. And I'm, I mean, like we, we had this conversation. Yeah. You and I, I, I sent you pictures of how I clean out my filter and right. what I use. And I'm basically at the pool store like every other week. And the guys know me like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't know shit about my pool. Um, in fact, this guy, like when they come back out tomorrow, I'm like. I need to have them give me a moderate tutorial on how to work it and everything. That's what, dude, believe me, that's how I did this. When other things in my house, like when I first moved in, like mm-hmm. our sprinkler system, I had no idea. I thought you yeah. just like opened up the valve and hit <laughs> Let on. It go. Yeah, no, the thing is like set for like specific days at like specific hours. It's just like, what? Yeah. yeah so, well, the guy, who came out, the guy who came out today, though, only like he, he only speaks Spanish in his his boss was like, I was talking to him over the phone and who was kind of like translating. And I, I speak Spanish, but not, not my Spanish. Let's just say my Spanish isn't good enough yeah. to talk about pool stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's pretty like specific Spanish. Like I, I couldn't tell you how to say pool pump in Spanish yeah. or anything like that. Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully maybe the, the, the boss guy will come out tomorrow and I can chat with him about it. Nice. But, nice. Anyway, not yeah. not the pool, not the Comic Con pool podcast. But. <laughs> yeah, maybe we need to do an episode. Like we should record, like you in your pool and me in my pool. That, that's how we'll do one episode, like live on YouTube, like from our phone. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we appreciate everyone here. Of course, where you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Amazon, iTunes, and of course on YouTube as well. So, um, let's get into a lot of stuff that we have to talk about today. We're doing some movies, uh, cartoon stuff, and uh, of course, we're gonna kick it with always. We have some community stuff. So, got a question sent to our Gmail. Of course, you know where you can send it: the Comic Con Podcast at gmail.com or on our Instagram, right to the Comic Con Podcast or any of our Instagram accounts. So this is coming from our man, uh, Lester D. Good morning, gentlemen. I really enjoyed your podcast as it's one of the few ones I look forward to weekly. I particularly enjoyed the beginning of today's show on comic book selling, which we talked about last week. I've gotten back into collecting after I quit when the 90s bubble finally popped. My first question is around what price guide do you use for raw and graded books? Each app and eBay has huge discrepancies, which makes it hard to get an idea of real value in my opinion. It really makes me hard to sell books as a dealer and, and collectors all use different price guides. Um, there is a second part to this question. So let's kind of pick apart this question, first of all. So uh, Lester, again, appreciate the email. And, uh, you know, we did talk about kind of the beginnings of selling and things to look for last week. Um, this week, definitely it's tough. Like between all the different apps, like you have Key Collector, you have CLZ, uh, you could, of course, go on Cover Prices website. There's uh, eBay. There's, you know, what other... Uh, apps obviously the the normal overstreet price right. guide what else am i missing anything else zach that you could no think i mean you could look at any any of the i guess you could see what's sold on like my slabs and like uh um, short box and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff as well but yeah i mean i think you nailed the main ones um i think you know in my opinion i think we'll probably have a pretty same opinion here there really is no right answer it's kind of like look at all of them 
and then mm-hmm. evaluate that way. Right. I mean, that's kind of how I do it. Like pretty much I will use, um, I'll use cover price for sure. For sure. I use cover price always because mm-hmm. I just love the way it breaks down. And it's just, it's just so easy and clean. So I'll go to cover price and then I'll also look at key collector to see like kind of what's there, but that's not necessarily like up to date all the time. I don't feel like, and, um, doesn't have all the books necessarily. Yeah. And, um, but then final, you know, as selling, since I sell primarily on eBay, I will go look at the sold section. So I'll try to find the same book that I'm selling. I'll see what it's sold at. And, uh, I'll look at the dates, of the most recent sales, and then kind of gauge from there from all three. So I, it's almost like you have to triangulate, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what about yeah, you? I agree. Uh, it's, it's definitely tough. If you're an eBay seller, yeah, you're of course looking at eBay prices. If you're a shop or even if you're just trying to sell on Instagram or on a website, you know, I think the best way to look at it too is I love going in the shops. Uh, and there's this one shop up in Connecticut, the eye opener, that's close to where the three men in the basement guys live. And what he does is he actually uses Overstreet. And it's great because the Overstreet, yeah, especially for key issues, like sometimes when I purchase books from him, it may be like from the bronze, copper, even silver age. And he'll just go directly from that guide. And I like seeing that because, you know, he's giving it a grade. Like the price guide has. It breaks it down by grades like VG, fine, VF, you know, near mint, and it gives you all different variations. And at least from there, it's a good starting point. You know, you go on eBay and it's just like because the book is whatever the book is, right? Like sometimes it's just because, all right, well, there's only two listed. So people are going to throw up some crazy, insane number, right? Mm -hmm. But with the price guide, it's always good to have a better idea of where the prices should be. So uh, I like the Overstreet Guide. The only problem is, of course, it only comes out once a year. So right, it's not it up to date come, necessarily. Yeah, it's good for you know as soon as it comes out. But actually, to be honest, it's probably not good because things can change before it even gets published. But right, um, right. I like I like the price guide. I really like uh, Overstreet. Of course, the one thing is, especially if you're going through it, you don't know variants. That's of mm-hmm. course like a big problem. Um, but I it, think with you know, which shops are tough too, man. Like you go in a shop and. I mean, obviously this is totally dependent on the owner of the shop and how up to date they are and how much they keep with it. But like, let's say you go in and you you brought up a good example, variants, right? So it's like a hot variant, boom, and they throw it up and it's like, this book's $45 right now, right? And it doesn't sell for like three or four months. And that book will stay on their wall for $45. And then you come back and you're like, hey, look, man, like I'd I'd like to get this book that's been on this wall for six months for $45, but I don't want to pay $45 for it. Like that's Mm -hmm. bullshit. That's a bullshit price. Um, and they don't really adjust it sometimes. So yeah, I I don't know. You know, it's, there's no, what's really tricky about the comic book market is there is no right answer. The right answer is how much are you willing to pay or are people willing to pay for it? And And how much are you good? How much do you want to let it go for? Right. Like if you're into it for nothing and you want to sell it for half of what you see on eBay, that's still money in your pocket. And I feel like, yeah, we talked about this last week, you know, whatever are you happy with? Like what Mm -hmm. type of profit you're happy with? Right. Um, Great question. Uh, second part, his follow-up, it's uh, Star Wars, so I enjoy this. My other question is specific to Star Wars. I enjoy going into antique stores to dive in through for grails. I thought I found two on two different trips. The first was the 1939 New York World Fair comic with Superman and Sandman on the cover. The other was the 1977 Star Wars Whitman 35 cents variant. Both books ended up being reprints. The Star Wars one was easier to see at a look because obviously it's on the cover. The New York World Fair was not as easy as it was labeled on the inside. Each bulk was $25 when he bought it. So no big loss except the gain. I thought 
I made, LOL. Uh, but what does that Star Wars really go for? It probably is rare in itself and it was printed at the same time as the original book. The New York World Fair was reprinted 35 years later. So I get the difference. Your thoughts? Um, so it's definitely tough. The, the problem with the Star Wars one is like there are so many variants of the initial Star Wars one, right? So you have the regular Star Wars book. You have 35 cents one. You have second printing. You have third printing. You have the other. You have the first print of the 35 cent you know newsstand and it's tough to tell like sometimes when you're just dive you know diving in long boxes especially at like uh you know antique shops or you know even like um flea markets you really don't know which one you're picking up so it's i would think it's really tough but that one i think commends a little bit of a price because of how much star wars has increased over the years um you know i think it's definitely it's tougher with those older books i remember when i just recently went to three men in the basement comic swap uh what was it like a month or two ago yeah there was a book there it was like a wonder woman book and i swear that it was a golden age book and it was only like ten dollars and i was with uh aaron double a comics and we're standing next to each other i'm like there's no way this book is ten dollars as good as it looks right and i'm like looking and then i go online i'm like well this is the cover i look at the back cover and i'm like it's the right back cover. But then when you looked into it and you saw it, it said published in like 1990s, like late nineties. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was tough to see, but I think the star Wars one does, does have a commendable you know price for the reprinting because of the fact that, you know, star Wars got hot again. So, you know, I, I think it's probably, I think it's now it's up to like $50 that second print uh, Whitman variant. So what about you? You think, uh, would you ever go diving and finding those weird books? I've never had no. I've never had any luck at the um, like the flea markets or the antique shops or whatever like that. But I mean, so I don't have a lot of experience in that in that aspect. But I do know, like when I was younger, you know, and you buy, I know I bought a couple like X Men books that ended up being the Canadian price variant. And I just wasn't paying attention, right? You're like, oh hell yeah, man, this book's worth a lot, and it's like the pence or whatever the hell it is, you know. And yeah, you're just like, god damn it, like years later when you when you get old enough and you realize, I guess. Yeah, it's so. definitely tough when you when you're looking at those books. But sometimes you know what it is. I remember back in the day when like Canadian variants weren't anything. Like mm-hmm. you bought them and you're like, oh my god, this is so cool. Like it's the first appearance, and then you realize that it was the Canadian price variant or Pence variant, and those weren't worth as much as the normal like U.S. version. But now, as the times have changed, a lot more people are looking at that, saying, oh well, that's it's still a first appearance or it's the first printing. It's just you know tougher to find. Like I like finding those sometimes in the wild, like randomly. Right. And some people collect that stuff, you know, like some people are really into those kind of, those kind of things. Um, yeah. Um, not really me, but it's, there's no shame in that. Oh, yeah, no, Every, no. Everyone's got their own collecting habits. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. So uh, Lester, appreciate the question. Uh, again, everybody, you can send us emails, comic-con podcast at gmail.com or to our Instagram direct messaging uh, whether you're leaving voicemails, sending us articles or questions like that. So let's kind of get right into some of the news. So uh, let's kick it off with some movie news. I know Zach found a really interesting article and uh, I'm kind of excited to talk about this one. So Zach, what did you find that's been posting all over the internet today on right. Wednesday, June 29th that I have not seen anything? Oh man, it's crazy because I feel like I read it and then I saw it all on social media. So um, this is from comicbookresources.com. Howard Stern, hot Mike indicates the shock jock is involved in a Dr. Doom project. So um, according to this article, Howard Stern was um, taking a commercial break during um, his show or whatever. And on Twitter, 
The host talked about how he's doing a Doctor Doom project in the summer and has been coordinating his schedule with Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige. Uh, Howard Stern goes on to say, and pardon my language, but this is Howard Stern, so you, you don't, you know, you sh- shouldn't, ex- you should expect this. He says, "I'm fucking miserable about it." Stern added, seemingly in reference to scheduling on the project. Um, he then revealed that he's talked to Robert Downey Jr. Uh, about how to get acting tips and who he might be, you know, like how to how to navigate the acting world because if you've seen him in movies, he's he's not that great. So, anyway, what's interesting about this article is that Stern refers to it as a Doctor Doom project rather than one centered on the Fantastic Four. So, obviously, nothing is official at the moment on whether Doctor Doom or Fantastic Four. We know Fantastic Four is coming, but um, some of the other articles I saw were even hinting at, you know, along the along the realms of a Disney plus show starring just Dr. Doom. So uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting. We've kind of talked about Dr. Doom in terms of him joining the MCU previously. And uh, yeah. So what do you think, Justin, about this? I think it's bullshit <laughs> uh, from, so Howard Cern, of course, on Sirius XM since COVID he's, he's a big, he's a big scaredy cat with COVID. Um, yeah. Oh he, yeah. He was he at home. He had like a whole yeah. setup at home, right? Yes. He yeah. has not, recorded from the Sirius XM studios in New York since March of 2020. Hmm. So for him to come out and, you know, hot mic and say, or even say that he's going to do anything like this is absolutely complete BS. Like there's no way that he's leaving his home to do some Marvel project. He has more money than he knows what to do with. There's no way that he needs to come out and do any type of acting. Right. Like he set who he is. Yeah. He does his, uh, the other show that he's on, um, What's it? Uh, America's Got Talent, right? Yeah, is he still doing that? Uh, I, well, he used to be. I think right. he used to be on. But again, like that's he doesn't come out of his house. He's fine. He's living. So how does he do world America's? World. How does he do America's Got Talent if he doesn't leave his house? I don't think he's doing it anymore. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I mean that's what he used to do, but I, I can't imagine him doing anything. So, sorry, I think this is a poo-poo article. It could uh, be. I don't think this is happening. It's it's also so it's also like one of those. I mean, I to be honest with you, I don't care really either way to be honest on this thing but uh it is one of those random articles like where it's kind of like it's so out there in a way like so random in terms of like who would have who would have thought howard stern might be in a marvel movie and then he mistaken like at the same time like you know sometimes stuff like this happens and people will let it slip to try to like you know boost their appeal to other people mm-hmm. whatever but like you said he has so much money he doesn't really care i mean who's howard stern howard stern has pretty much reached as far as he's going to get on his reach, in my opinion, he's not like if you aren't listening to Howard Stern at this point, you're probably not going to because you know who he is. You know what he does and you're not interested in it. You know what I mean? So um, I don't know. It could be interesting. Did you know I, in this article, it also says that at one point there were rumors that he was considered to play Scarecrow in a sequel to Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. Oh, wow. Did no. you ever hear that? <laughs> no, that's definitely a huge rumor. Yeah. So obviously there's no veracity of those claims, but they're talking about it in this article. So, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Obviously he's not going to play Dr. Doom. That's for damn sure. But God, man, if if Marvel makes a Dr. Doom solo series, I, it's going to be horrendous. Like we've talked about, I, I know I've talked about it ad nauseum about how Marvel ruins their, their villains by making them like anti-heroes. Mm -hmm. And there's no way Marvel's going to do a show only about villains. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, people be like, oh, what about Thunderbolts? Uh, Well, yeah, but they're still trying to be good, you know? So Mm -hmm. they're never going to do a solo show about a villain and villainous takes. And Loki is not one either. So 
right? I mean, what do you think? Yeah. No, no, I agree. It's funny you brought up Loki because I just rewatched Loki, binged it probably about two weeks ago, and it was a lot better the second time around because I didn't have to worry about, you know, all the speculation and mm -hmm. the hype around it. And yeah, you know, Loki was cool in first Thor and, and Thor 2 and Avengers, but then, yeah, then he kind of becomes like a good guy. It's like right. trying to be the good guy. And that's never who Loki was in the comics. Like, I don't well, care. Now he, is, like, now he is now as well. Like, yeah, it's like, there. but but that's what it is. They had to change him to be closer to the to the movies, the comics, so people understand him. But yeah, he right. was never like that. You know, mm -hmm. any of the series, any of the events that they ever did, um, he was always evil. Like, and that's the way that villains should stay. But that's the problem. I mean, like you said, with the, mm -hmm. the Marvel mashup is villains are never villains complete to the end. No, and then that's why they only stay around for one movie. So far in the MCU, I mean, that's, that's really all we've got is one-shot villains, you know, minus... Thanos, I guess, for a couple movies. So and Ronan, I guess, who briefly appeared in a second movie. Follow oh, and Ronan, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't really count that second movie. It's like that's like a cameo, pretty yeah, much. But true. All right, so uh, let's get on to some more news. This is coming over from ComicBookMovie.com. Uh, this is posted, of course, today on June 29th. Madam Web rumored to be a completely different movie set in Sony's Spider-Man universe. So Madam Web has assembled an immersive. Female ensemble and a new rumor suggests Sony Pictures might have uh, a gander that simply storytelling not only about Cassandra Webb. So, of course, this week we had the American Horror Story star Emma Roberts has now been cast in the Madam Webb movie. And we have quite a bit of women in this movie so far. You got mm -hmm. Sydney Sweetie, you got Celeste O'Connor, Isabel Marcet, and of course Dakota Johnson playing Madam Webb. Madam Web. Now we don't know which version. We don't know if it's the old Cassandra Web or if we're going to get the Julia Carpenter version, or if even maybe one of these females is going to be Julia Carpenter. But aside from that, it's kind of looking. Fans are kind of thinking that uh, this could be some some sort of female-led team up introducing the lights of Black Cat, Silver Sable, and Spider Woman. Um, I think that would be very interesting. Uh, we definitely have not seen any any of the really female characters from the Spider-Man universe. They've, they've been constantly keep adding Venom and Carnage, and obviously the news of Craven being a uh, pet-friendly or animal-friendly hunter now is going to be crazy. What that movie's going to be like, and of course um, we have what we talked about earlier this year: the Bad Bunny. You know, another male-led character going to be in a movie, but there haven't been any females. So I really hope that this could be what fans are looking for. And it does come true. You know, let's see some more females take the lead in these movies and be from the Spider-Man universe. And I know you're a huge Spider-Man fan, Zach. So I know you really want to talk about this. No, I mean, I, God, dude, I agree. <laughs> I, like the sarcasm I, I, there. Yeah, I appreciated it. I, uh, I agree with like the, the female castings and like these characters, like characters like Silver Sable and Spider-Woman are great. I don't think Madam Web's an interesting character, but, um, I just, I mean, I've said it before. I'll probably continue to, I will continue to say this till they prove me wrong. And if they do prove me wrong, I will eat my words, but I have no faith in the Spamunk universe. Like I just don't dude. like Carnage or Venom horrible. Both movies horrible. Um, we got I'm Morbius. I didn't even get to see the end of Morbius. I only saw the, like the three fourths of the movie. And I still feel like satisfied on what I saw. It was not that great. It felt like the it felt like the first iteration of comic book movies that we got back in like the early two thousands. Mm. Um, okay. The Craven stuff. I mean, once again, boom! Once again, dude. Venom, or I mean, uh, villains that are made into heroes. Craven is not a hero. Why are you doing a solo movie about Craven? Let's be honest. 
you're a massive Spider-Man fan, or not massive? Are you right? You are. You're a big Spider Gwen. <laughs> you're more Spider Gwen fan, yeah. But Craven, how big of a character is Craven really in Spider-Man lore? Like, I mean, you got Craven's Last Hunt in like a few big stories, but even when he's part of like the Sinister Six and whatnot, he's like mm-hmm. the sixth member of that team. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, he's not the leader. Like, Craven is not a massive character in Spider-Man lore. I know there's probably some Spider-Man people who are getting really pissed off at me for saying that, but I'm saying in terms of, in relation to like guys like Doc Ock, Green Goblin, uh, Shocker, Electro, uh, you know, all the people we saw in like No Way Home, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like all those characters, way bigger villains than than uh, Craven, in my opinion. So giving him a solo movie and then changing him as like a environmentally like poacher, anti-poacher guy, like, I mean, come on, dude. It just sounds, it sounds stupid. Sounds boring. So I don't know, dude. Um, I hope they're I hope you're right. I, I want to see more characters because I think that honestly, in my opinion, the Spamonk universe where it suffered, and I don't think that this is like should be the milestone, but obviously Marvel does really well in having like secondary and tertiary characters in there, so it is feeling like a shared universe. Mm-hmm. But like Venom and Morbius didn't have anyone, it was just their guys, pretty much. There was little cameos, you know. Like, but like still felt like, like I said, the early 2000s movies, Craven's going to be the same way. Now, this movie with like Madam Web, if they do like what you're talking about and have Silver Sable and have these and actually have like storylines for these characters could be really good. Might actually build that universe. But these stupid little solo movies, man, they're, they suck. Yeah, I really want to see what this is going to be uh, brought about. And, you know, I guess and a lot of people are, you know, obviously, especially in the movie world, we're we're really in that world of like, are we really getting burnt out with superhero movies? Like everyone gets the Marvel movie. Everyone kind of gets the DC movie, mm-hmm. but you know, we really don't get a lot of indie stuff. We get a lot of indie TV series because of the fact right. that they, they, they have a beginning, middle and end basically. The like, format's better. Yeah. Yes. Like superheroes is always ongoing, but have we kind of been burnt out on all these movies? But again, let's, you know, we, we want to see more female led characters. We're seeing that obviously right now in Disney plus, you know, with the introductions of Kate Bishop, Ms. Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Riri Williams coming later out she this Hulk. year. Yeah, She-Hulk's coming. So this is what I think Sony needs to do. I think they really need to bring more of those Spider-Man characters into this universe, whether it's, like you said, the Sm- Spamunk. Spamunk. Um, yeah, the Spamunk universe. And just, you know, we want to see them. Uh, you know, it it's something that we've wanted for a very long time. Like a lot of Spider-Man fans and Spider-Man lore Marvel fans. I, I think th- with all these women that are going to be in this movie, we have a great chance of seeing someone other than just Madam Web show up without a doubt. Like, I don't think they're just going to be like, oh, her friend, like one of her girlfriends or a coworker, you know, right. like, come on. Well, God, I hope so. Cause I don't know how you make a whole movie about Madam Web. I just, I just don't, yeah. but going to be very odd. Yeah. So uh, that's some of our TV or our movie news. Let's move on to some TV stuff. Uh, this is coming over from, this kind of just dropped today on Instagram, YouTube, wherever you can watch it. But the Harley Quinn season three official trailer just came out today on June 29th. Now, we haven't seen Harley Quinn. Season two ended way back in 2020 during COVID. And uh, it, it's just crazy the fact that you're like, oh, wait, yeah, they did have a Harley Quinn show. So, of course, it, it arrived today. And not only do we have, of course, returning people like uh, Clayface, Poison Ivy, Har- Harley in there as well. Uh, King Shark, but James Gunn is making his DC animated debut. If you watch the trailer now, 
I think it's hilarious. I think the show is amazing, and I think it was very underrated the first two seasons. If you do not have, if you did not have the DC Universe app when it first came out, uh, if you have a chance and you have HBO Ma- HBO Max now, I highly recommend checking it out. Um, I'm super excited. This comes out in August. They're kind of saying they haven't had the official drop, or no, July. It's actually at the end of July. That's when it drops, uh, right at the end of the hmm. month. And we're going to be a terrific con, but uh. I mean, spoiler is obviously it's not even like spoiler, but it's so funny. Like Zach, you've seen it. Have you seen the trailer? No, I haven't. I haven't oh. watched any of the the Harley Quinn animated. I've right. heard good so, things though. It's funny. Like at the end of the trailer, like there's things like Batman's in it, but Batman's very cordial. It's the one thing that makes it freaking hilarious is Harley and Poison Ivy go into the Court of Owls, like you know, and you've you've read the Court of Owls, right? right? Yeah. So they go, and this is perfect because of last week's episode. Uh, on the boys they all go into this thing and the, the court of owls is like now time for the giant orgy and you're just like wait what <laughs> so uh i think it's very interesting i i think it's funny i, I cannot wait for season three of the harley quinn you definitely gotta check it out i know you have hbo max so yeah I'll, I'll i will i'll get to it how many episodes are each season it's only like eight maybe nine they're, they're not like that it's minutes. not that long yeah it's it's not long season so you could definitely blow through it before uh you know, the end of July or even at least yeah. finish, you know, season one, get into season two. But I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Lake Bell who plays Poison Ivy. I think she, her uh, charisma, charismatic actress chops, whatever you want to say. She's hilarious. Uh, and then, of course, you got Ron Fuse who plays King Shark and he's just um, I would have never thought to see King Shark as great as he was in the Harley Quinn show. And I feel like that's why they finally like put him on the Suicide Squad because it was like a completely different character. Hmm. Yeah, he's great in Suicide Squad for sure. Yeah, he's yeah, he's definitely different than even the iterations they had on like the Flash, like when he was on the Flash for yeah, right, a few episodes here and there. But it's going to be ten episodes. Season three of Harley Quinn is dropping at the end of July on July twenty eighth, of course, on HBO Max. And speaking of HBO Max, and you know, we always talk reviews here. You know, we give a lot of stuff to the Marvel, you know, Disney Plus shows because obviously that's typically what's always out. Star Wars for both Zach and myself, but this kind of went around, you know, kind of under the gun. The Young Justice season four Phantoms. It's unbelievable that this series is now 12 years old and it's only four seasons. Um, Season four dropped at the end of in October of 2021. And it's a weekly, obviously they're weekly. They come out on HBO Max, which I like, which kind of, you know, spreads out the love, not dropping all 26 episodes. So the fact that it started in October and it just ended earlier this month is absolutely crazy. So season four, completely different uh, take on you know all the other seasons. It's kind of each five, each four to five episodes has its own little story arc. Uh, the beginning episodes kind of deal with um, McGann, Ms. Martian, and Superboy and Beast Boy. Then we kind of get into Artemis and uh, her sister Cheshire Cat. My favorite, of course, is the third arc, which kind of brings in Zatanna and kind of like more of the mystical side. Fourth is with Aqualad and what's going on with Atlantis. And then we also get Rocket, which is really odd because we really haven't seen a lot of Rocket in the Young Justice, even though that she's there. And by the end, it kind of pools all these characters and all these stories and intervenes and intertwines, I should say, by the end. And it's absolutely amazing. Like this final episode of... um, season four mm-hmm. is probably the best battle like i've seen in animation in a long time 
like just all the young justice characters just like fighting and i'm obviously not gonna spoil like who's in it and what's the main storyline but the fact that in the beginning of this season i really wasn't too fond of it my biggest gripe is that and it was kind of annoying is something happens in the beginning of the season and beast boy kind of takes a turn like he goes into this whole depression thing but i get it because we we've talked about this stuff before like when they had what was it that heroes in crisis like what do superheroes are right, like, like ptsd right? yeah the whole ptsd yeah. thing like and you really see that and it kind of drags a lot i feel like it drags more than it should because he's like pretty much depressed the whole uh the whole season like he's taking pills like he doesn't want to do anything he's constantly sleeping and they always like randomly will bring him up but that's how he's brought up as just like a complete mess and i felt like they dragged that story on like too long for him but by the end of the by the end of the season, man, of course, you know, bringing back all like the original uh, young justice young justice team, like from season one, like Aqualad, um, Artemis, who is now Tigris, Ms. Martian, Zatanna, Nightwing, like like I said, man, that last episode and the fact that it is twenty six episodes, which is a nice, good, you know, long time thing to watch, right? Um, absolutely amazing. So I'm excited because even Greg, um, what's his name? Greg Wisner, who is the producer of the show, who's been the producer of all four seasons, even said that this season had one of the most significant high numbers for HBO Max. And it even saw numbers that had more views this year than any other animated superhero series on any streaming service and even beat out a couple of prestige live action superhero series. Wow. So. I would say give it a shot if you have not checked out see, uh, any of the Young Justice. I think my favorite season was probably season two with the uh, the whole Blue Beetle. And yeah, invasion. it was really good. There were so many characters that were introduced in that. But even this, like, they really go deep into the DC lore. And if you don't know it, it's fine. But sometimes when things happen, you're like, wow, I cannot believe they went there. And they, like, they pulled this character out of, like, nowhere. Because they're, like, C and D level, like, heroes and even villains, like, show up. It's just like, okay, I like it. Yeah, I watched. <clears throat> I watched obviously the first and second season. I loved them um, when they were on like the Cartoon Network and everything. And yeah, then, it's crazy. Twelve years and, ago. Yeah, man. And then they obviously took that like six year hiatus. I think it was before Outsiders season three came out. And I think I stopped. I watched the first half of Outsiders, which like I wasn't really feeling it to be honest with you. Um, mm -hmm. The first like third, I think it was like yeah, like thirteen episodes, um, and had a lot of like the oh god, what were they called? What the weird it was like the weird characters that they like bug character and like um, oh well uh, forager yeah like i was like oh my gosh like well, that's I like just, the outsiders because like geo force right and, yeah i wasn't really like, feeling those characters the outsiders? At all. and so then i never got back to uh i never finished season three but i've always been i've been like meaning to oh, i should go back and rewatch season three and and then power through and wouldn't watch them all but it's so good i mean they do it so well um, yeah and you know what's crazy show. they still tease they still tease dark side and they still have not brought him like to the front lines. And that's fine because I feel like Darkseid is more of like a player for um right. like the the real the Justice League. But I will say that um like the post credit scene, which sometimes they do on, on this obviously what happens is like when the episode's over, you know, like sometimes at the end of the episode, even mm -hmm. while the credits are rolling, they kind of have like something in the background and mm -hmm. you'll either hear things or people are talking and it kind of is just like it's interesting but like the end end credit scene for season four if you see a specific there's a certain dc movie that came out in a specific batman superman storyline that they did uh back in the mid 2000s and that's where i'll leave it uh it's pretty awesome how they if they how they're setting up a season five so 
Yeah, I think one of the strongest points about the show is the fact that it's not like the Justice League characters don't play a huge role. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's all like the, the sidekicks and then, like you said, the minor characters and it, yet it's still strong. And I feel like that's it's stuff like this. It's stuff like this show that should be should be like the template that DC should be using for their live action, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, these things are so successful. You can just jump into it. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to do Batman. You don't always have to do Superman and Wonder Woman. You can just have them pop in and out. Like Titans success, the same thing, you know, and this is the way to go. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, like I said, season two, like really brought Blue Beetle, like. Right. Like, yeah, like I never, yeah. I never really cared about Blue Beetle too much until like seeing him in season two and, mm-hmm. you know, with, with Bart Allen, like bringing him, you know, from the future to the present. Like that's what that whole season was about was the whole invasion and, and his species and, I thought it was amazing. And yeah, like season three kind of had its hiccups. But again, if you read DC lore and know who the outsiders are, you really get that history. But this season, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I definitely can't wait to rewatch it because I feel like now that it's all the 26 episodes are out, I can finally go back and just, you know, watch them on a better schedule because sometimes I would watch the episode. And then, of course, I'd forget that, like, it comes out every th- they were They were coming about out every Thursday. Mm-hmm. So I would forget. And then three weeks would go by and then I'd have to watch like three in a row and be like oh now i have to wait for like another episode and then i would forget like by the following week that the show is there but now it's like i know that i could just go back and watch all 26 uh episodes like in a good like month span cool so um that is our tv and movie news for here uh let's kind of get on to some comic book news zach i think you have an article of a first appearance coming out soon right yeah so kind of ride the dc train here we've got um this also comes from comicbookresources.com Red Canary, DC's latest legacy character, arrives in Dark Crisis. So, spoiler alert here, if you don't know about the Dark Crisis storyline that's going on, previously in Justice League, the whole Justice League, minus Black Adam, were killed. So, what we're seeing now is a shakeup of the DC universe and all new characters kind of coming, or not all new characters, sorry, like more younger generation legacy type characters showing up. Well, one of them, Red Canary, a new legacy character who seemingly has ties to Black Canary will be introduced in DC's Dark Crisis number three. So Joshua Williamson, who's kind of heading the Dark Crisis stuff, is bringing Red Canary. Uh, you got to see the pictures of her. She looks very much like a um, Black Canary. There's also, a, even the article talks about it as well. There's some Amico vibes as well mm-hmm. from like, you know, sidekick to Oliver Queen, Green Arrow becoming Red Arrow. So real cool character. She looks badass. She looks just like Black Canary, except obviously red. And um, it'd be interesting to see how she go, how things go with her. Um, obviously, the Dark Crisis storyline is really following kind of the Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, trying to figure out what's going on with the Justice League and bringing them back, and then the new Justice League as well. So it'll be cool to see a new character show up. Um, I'm kind of, I don't know, though, man. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I'm excited to see this character, but I feel like they do things like this and then just, uh, these characters are just going to disappear again. You know what I mean? I don't feel like DC is good at keeping around new characters. What are your thoughts? So, you know, again, it is the introduction of a new character, but is it just a redesign of, like, you said it, like, who they say in the article, right. like, Amico, because Amico did come out during the 2011 series from the new 52 series because then they even brought her into live action like and she was she did become red arrow so maybe are they bringing it you know is she no longer going to kind of have that red arrow she's going to be this new red canary and we've seen that before like yeah of course since there's no black canary 
let's bring on like a red canary and she will be part of the dc comic book universe and even eventually when black canary comes back at least we'll have this character and maybe she'll be you know she could join up with young justice she could join teen titans so mm -hmm. i think she has a decent following and you know i guess we're have to, we're gonna have to find out you know once dark crisis 3 kind of unfolds and how the fans kind of resent to see how she is is she yes is she a new character or is she existing character taking on a new persona right yeah i'm not sure yet i mean because dark crisis 2 hasn't even came out yet so yeah so but what is this coming out you said dark crisis july, 3 comes out july yeah july 10th oh no sorry final cutoff in july 10th it comes out in august okay so august 2nd is the next dark crisis yeah. for dark crisis 3 so yeah yeah um, and again, if you want the variant cover that has her as like the design variant right on the cover, I think, right. some, you know, of course, people love cover uh, cover appearances better than sometimes regulars. So that's the one to get. So check it out. It's over at uh, CBR.com. Mm -hmm. So uh, continuing with some comic book news and first appearances. So we've had our we've done many different Spider-Verses over the past few years. Edges of Spider-Verse, Spider-Geddon, Spider-Verse itself, Spider-Verse 2, uh, Web Warriors and all those. But the latest Edge of Spider-Verse comic book series is coming. Um, they're already talking about the first issue going to be having the Spider-Rex, the first appearance of this dinosaur who looks like Devil Dinosaur, who's sp basically Spider-Man, first appearance in that. But over at comicbookmovie.com, we're going to be meeting the first uh, Marvel LGBTQ Spider-Man web weaver coming out from comic book writer Stephen Fox. So uh, took to Twitter earlier today on June 29th to reveal the costume and showing him um, coming out in August from several different people. Of course, there's going to be tons of variants for this. And there's going to be tons of variants, of course, in Edge of Spider-Verse, like Night Spider, who's Felicia Hardy in another universe. And like I said, the Spider-Rex. But interesting enough, Stephen Fox posted this and I really enjoyed um, reading about this, he said, as a not so not so mild mannered fashion designer at uh, Randyke, Spider's powers gets his powers and shows us a very different kind of Spider Slayer. Um, he also goes on to talk about in the not only in the article but on the post um, something I realized immediately when conceiving Web we Web Weaver is that he can't and shouldn't represent all gay men. No single character can. His furiously feminine identity is central to who he is, but it's not the story. Which, is, which you can experience for yourself in September. And I really like that because I feel like both Zach and I talk about that all the time is that you, when you create a character or have that part of the character's persona, it shouldn't be the whole story. It should be right. exactly about what it is. It should be about the experience that the reader is taking on in that story. What are your thoughts about this, man? Yeah, I agree. Um, your character can be your character and can have whatever lifestyle choices it has, but make the story good. You know what I mean? Like it can't just focus. Like I'm not reading the comics and some people are, I'm, I'm just saying I'm personally not reading the comics to read about like love interests, whether it's straight by, you know, trans, whatever. I don't mm -hmm. care. I'm not reading comic books for romance, man. That's not what I, that's not what I'm here for. Read those comic books. That's all it is. Like. Right. Exactly. So, I think it's cool, you know. I mean, I, I look. I don't collect Spider Man. I don't collect the Spider Verse stuff. So this this isn't for me. Not even, and I'm not talking about the character. I probably won't read this book because I just don't. I don't read this stuff. But you know, it's for someone, and that's good, man. That's good. Like that's it's good that it's out there for someone. Someone's going to be out there and might identify with this character, and maybe it'll bring them into comics. And I always think that's a plus. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how the character does the success and whether it sticks around or not. Same problems with DC, man. 
Spider-Man Marvel has the same problems DC has in my, in my opinion, they bring in new characters like this and then for like spider verse or whatever. And then you never see them again for five, six years or something <laughs> like that. So, um, I mean, look at spider punk right now just kind of just now back. So, um, yeah, but I feel like he's, they're pushing him for the, uh, for the movie the as well. Spider-verse. Right. Yeah. I feel like him. And then uh, I'm sure you're going to see Spider-Man India. Cause I feel like that's another thing, but you know, they're bringing back some older characters who we haven't seen like Aranya, like Aranya is going to be oh, in the cool. series that uh, you know we have not seen in quite a long time she's been appearing right. on some of the variant covers and even some of the regular variants uh, or exclusive variants for edge of spider-verse and some of the incentive variants so it'd be interesting to see and of course you know bringing in like penny parker's back spider-man noir spider gwen's of course there i don't know about miles but um that's what kind of synopsis is and again like i said you know bringing in all these newer characters like a craven version a black cat version the spider rex character so you know what we're going to see but uh, first appearance coming in Edge of Spider-Verse number nine for Web Weaver and coming out in September. So um, get out there and pre-order it if you want. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to be pre-ordering the series. I don't know if I'm going to go down that rabbit hole and getting all the variants <laughs> because I feel like it's going to be way too many this time around. Like I was happy with like a one in 25 for the first Edge of Spider-Verse. That was enough. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's all of our articles for today. Let's kind of get into what are we currently reading here on... Um, comic-con podcast so zach you want to go first you want me to go well yeah i'll, I'll go first um cool. let's see what was i currently reading so i have some good so uh honorable mention and i think i might have said it last week but i've really this week i've been powering through and i've really been enjoying it i'm rereading i'm, I'm on a 90s ghostwriter kick starting with you know the danny kate catch era reading through those just now got to the books that are starting to deal with like when you get into like the ghostwriter blaze run the spirit of vengeance and all that stuff. So I'm really enjoying the uh, 90s Ghost Rider, like going back down that and rereading it again for since, I don't know, God, 20 years maybe since the last time I read that. So that's my honorable mention. Um, the books, though, my picks of the week. Uh, first off, I, I finally got to, obviously it's not super new this week, but I finally caught up on Nottingham issues seven and eight, which such a great story. I mean, one through five was awesome. And then they end, they, they kind of were like, hey, we're going to end it. And then they came back and said, hey, we'll do five more. And each issue is so much fun. I love Robin Hood lore and the way they, they tell the story is just really, really cool. So if you're not checking out Nottingham by Mad Cave Comics or Mad Cave Studios, definitely check that out. It's so fun. But um, I think my pick of the week is going to be Seven Secrets by Tom Taylor. So Seven Secrets number 18, um, Boom Studios. It's the last issue of the series. I've really enjoyed the series and I've kind of been really surprised that there hasn't been more talk about it to be honest with you um i always thought it was fun great idea from the beginning um in a nutshell the story is about this like group of people who protect these seven briefcases and inside each briefcase is a secret and the secrets can range from like powers to disasters to whatever you don't know what they are there's a holder and there's a keeper so there's one person who holds on to it and one person who protects the holder and it's this whole secret society that uh is protecting these seven secrets of the world and so through the 18 issues you find out a lot about the characters you obviously find out the secrets and this last issue kind of rounded it all out kind of solved all the mysteries and everything and it was really cool i enjoyed it um really thought it was a fun run and yeah honestly super surprised it didn't get a little bit more acclaim than it has but um so it's done now if you haven't heard about it and you're hearing about it the first time get out there and try to pick it up uh read it online buy the run i should i'll actually be selling the run here shortly if you want from <laughs> me 
but um i, I think yeah it, it's awesome know, in the beginning it did you know it's i i know you know it's from boom right boom Studios. right yeah boom Studios. Yeah. like i remember like they towards the they that book went that number one went to like five printings, four or five printings. Yeah, it did have a, it did have a bunch of printings. Like I mean, it also took a break went, for a while. Yeah, that would think that's always the that tough. That always time. kills it, man. I hate um, that shit. But yeah, I think I have the first eight issues. Um, and now that you're telling me that it is done, I guess now I'm gonna have to pick up the remaining, uh, you know, ten or so <laughs> issues that I'm missing because I definitely yeah. fell off that story. But I definitely yeah. had them. Um, I definitely kept all like the incentive variants that I if I found them for cheap and the later printings, which I always thought were cool. So I may have to go back and now pick it up, but it's good. 18 issues, you know, it's in a and good out, concise story. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's right there. Where we always talk about that money room between like the 20, 25 issues right there. Like the, mm. the money spot for a complete story. Nice. What else you got? That's it. That's it. That's I'm, it. Uh, on to you. Oh, wait, we're still, you know, what we haven't done. We haven't done garbage book of the week for a while. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Do I have any garbage books? Let me see. Oh, quick. What am I reading right now? That is just dude. Okay. And, uh, I hope this isn't going <laughs> to be really bad if it's going to end up being your like your pick of the week. No, no, uh, no. I'm sure it's not because okay. my two books are great. Okay. So, so it was one more. Um, I just saw it again. One more honorable mention is, and I, I don't know if you were reading this. I don't remember if we've talked about it. Were you reading the Batman Catwoman um, 12 issue by Tom Taylor, Tom King? I so yes and no. Like I read the beginning story and then I kind of dropped off and I did read this week's issue. Yeah, it was the end. Yeah, twelve. Yeah, yeah. That was a really good run. I liked it. Uh, that with Phantasm and um, mixed up in there, and thought it was cool. But anyway, I think my garbage pick of the week is unfortunately a book I feel like you picked as one of your picks of the week. Your uh, like last month is this Obi One story sucks, dude. I haven't read it. I didn't read it, so I thought the first one sucked too. Um, I'm not liking this Obi One miniseries. I, okay. I think it's kind of garbage. Right. that's that's my hot garbage of the week interesting okay cool uh yeah i haven't read the star wars stuff i know darth vader dr afra and yeah. obi-wan are all new this week so and han just, and chewy and the han and chewy but that series i'm not even picking up like i can't pick up everything like, oh no oh no it's just... actually pretty decent really well yeah i, I mean I, I like i mean i like the han and chewy uh you know dynamic. i just never was a fan of them so like for me to pick up like their series like even like the just the regular the Han Solo original mm-hmm. storyline, which was I liked it because of Mark Brooks doing the art. Chewbacca, the five issue mini, I never I never enjoyed reading that. So it's got some Greedo, know. which is fun and kind of gives yeah, it more. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, the original Han store Han Solo book was was good. I enjoyed that five issues, but yeah, yeah. All right, I guess I'll have to read my Star Wars books for the week, and uh, I'll let you know once I once I take care of that. But for me, uh, what am I currently reading? Honorable honorable mention this week. Uh, Iron Cat number one completely took me by surprise. I definitely didn't think that they were going to go where they went with the character. So I'm glad it wasn't what it's so funny. What everybody was specking on for this character is not what they did. Give me some so, background on Iron Cat. What is it? It's so, Hellcat and Iron Man, right? No, no. Like um, Iron Man just created a suit that kind of looks like a cat. And in like the Iron Man or uh, Black Cat, one of the issues or one of her series, like her first series, she stole it. And then she wore it. So that's like the first appearance of Iron Cat. Like that's what it was. Okay. Deemed. But gotcha. So in this, um, you know, I don't want to get into spoilers, but, you know, if you read it, it's 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 interesting and it's a different. I, I'm glad they went with this in a different route. So uh, and I always like Felicia Hardy. I like she's a thief. She's, a you know, she's kind of like Catwoman and yeah. I, I like Catwoman. So it's good to have like a Marvel counterpart. Right. For Marvel Comics. So um, 
and I have a big giant sideshow statue of her too. So <laughs> that helps. Uh, that's my honorable mention. But uh, my other honorable mention, and I've talked about the series before, of course, Batman Beyond the White Knight. Sean Murphy just cannot do anything wrong with this series. Uh, issue number four came out this week. Of course, expanding on the universe that is his um, his White Knight universe. Uh, this kind of, you know, we, we get finally the older version of, uh, Joker's daughter slash Harley Quinn's uh, daughter as well. Uh, but and then we get the newer Robins in there from from Duke Thomas. But man, they're really pushing all like the stuff from the Batman Beyond universe, like things that we seen back in like the late 90s when Batman Beyond came out. So uh, that's just another one of my honorable mentions. And my pick of the week, man, if you are not reading this series, I think this is a very underrated series. And I, I don't know how many issues this story arc is going to go. But Deathstroke Inc. number ten. Oh, know. I've read. I only read the tie-ins with like uh, Shadow War. Okay, but I haven't read much of the rest of it. So this new story arc, and I, even if you haven't picked up any of the other nine issues, if you're not reading like you said, like the Shadow War tie-ins, it's a year one storyline. So we get to actually see like basically him becoming like who he is. So like this first issue or issue number ten is almost like watching like Logan get like the adamantium in him basically like he's on like you know it starts off with yeah. him like on a you know a surgical table and him getting injected with everything and you kind of learn about it you kind of learn about him having a family and you know obviously him being also a mercenary at the same time and him having to choose between the two and then kind of how it how this issue ends and where it's going to lead i don't know how many issues the story arc is going to go but again even if you don't have the rest of the series you could pick up issue 10 and read it if you're a Deathstroke fan. You absolutely have to pick up this issue and probably the next few issues until this story arc ends. So that's definitely cool. my pick of the week is Deathstroke Inc. number 10. Any garbage? Not hot garbage. I, I didn't really... Uh, there really wasn't anything that I read this week that I was like, eh. Um, yeah. Oh, shout out, though, because we missed it last week. You read Silver Coin, though, finally, right? Yes, Silver that Coin. That Silver level. Coin issue was awesome, right? Yeah, James Tinian writing that. Yeah, dude, that was, that was creepy, man. That was really. I'm, I'm so glad you introduced me to that that uh, that series. That's a really really awesome series. But we both yeah. were like, man, that probably would have been our pick of the week last week. But neither one yeah, of us yeah. had read it last week. <laughs> and when I read it, I was like, damn, dude, this is this is awesome. I they really need to, that needs to get picked up. Options. Yes, yeah, needs to I be need... like a Black Mirror type show yes. or something. You know. Yeah. Our listeners, I'm telling you, boys and girls, we've been talking about this series for the longest time. If you have Silver Coin is probably my favorite series I look forward to, especially on the indie side, without a doubt. Yeah. Like when it comes out every month, it's always kind of like my it's always my go to. Like I need to read it. And like last week when we recorded, and I was like, oh damn it, I didn't get a chance to read it yet. Because mm -hmm. yeah, that would have been my pick of the week. So and it's so and good because it's like, you know, it's an anthology. And sometimes when you get anthologies, you get like, you know, I'm not trying to be an asshole here, but you get like low level writers. It's like, Hey, you know, write this, you know, this, this title that's successful, but this almost every writer is like a high end writer, bro. Like these are all like real good writers that are writing these anthologies. And, um, mm -hmm. I think if you like them, you're going to love each issue they do. You know, I, I think it's really, really good. They don't yeah, get I, any scrubs to write. No, uh, Michael Walsh, who's the writer. I mean, he's been getting great mm -hmm. art, uh, great writers, like yeah, every, Snyder, Tinian, Rosenberg, yeah. Chip uh, Sadarsky was on Chip there. Sadarsky, uh, Jeff Lemire, yeah, Jeff Lemire was on there. Yeah, but yeah, it's great that every issue again you can read it in, in any order, pretty much for the most mm -hmm. part. Um, uh, yeah, everybody who's had a chance to write 
has been has done a great job. I really can't think like I couldn't even rate rank them. Like the I can only pick the stories I like. That's the, yeah. That's like the, it's just the, so the, tough to be like, oh, this was a this was a bad story because there really aren't any bad issues yet. Like there's right. not something that I'm like, oh, I didn't really feel that. I'm just like every issue. I'm like, holy shit! Like yeah. that's awesome. There's definitely some that like stick with you a little bit more, but uh, yeah, there's definitely hasn't been like a bad one. I'm, now I'm looking at the uh, trying to see like who all the writers are. Yeah, Ram V was on there. I Ram think. V, yeah. Uh, Ed Brisson. Yep. Kelly yeah. Thompson. Um, yeah, it's good, man. That's really good. It's yeah. really good. So I would read it from. I would read it in order because there is like the, well, at least in the first five issues, there's there's a little bit of a theme in the first five issues that kind of. Uh, well, the Covenant has that yeah. two parter, like issue number five, and I think num issue number nine or ten has like the part two right. of the Covenant. So that kind of gives you like an origin of it. <clears throat> so really, you could read those two issues mm -hmm. first. And then kind of just skip yeah. around in a way because they're even they time jump in a way, right? right? It's for never, sure. yeah, they go back never, and forth. There's and... that future issue, there's uh, you know, kind of a colonial issue, there, there's all different yeah. issues, yeah. Uh, highly recommend Silver Coin again, one of my favorite series that's ongoing. And um, that's it for uh, us here at the podcast. Yep, I went really low for that one. Um, anything going on this week, Zach? I think, uh, I think there's something kind of big going on this week. Um, we're gonna have like a little bit of well, why don't you talk about you've got a couple sales before the big event? Yes, so of course, if you're listening to this early enough, and I always say early enough because I always have to make sure that when we drop this, so of course, this drops on Friday morning. Uh, this Friday, if you're listening to this early enough, I have two sales planned on Friday morning. You have one at 10 o'clock, just kind of like a randomness Marvel DC. Go ahead and follow me on whatnot, of course. Friday night, I have 25 slabs going at $25. So even if they go for 25 bucks, you are getting steals and deals over there. But then Saturday, um, Saturday. well, actually, before I talk about Saturday, next week, July the 6th, uh, is my one-year anniversary on Whatnot. So I will be doing a free giveaway show on Wednesday, January 6th. So make sure you uh, follow me on Whatnot for that because it's just going to be giveaways. But yes, this Saturday, July 2nd, uh, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, the Comic-Con podcast is taking over whatnot. What that means is I will be selling for an hour. Zach will be joining me on my live stream. And then after that hour is up, Zach will be going live and I will be joining Zach on his live stream on whatnot. So uh, make sure you're following both of us. Of course, that is in the descriptions of our profiles. You could also find it on the Comic-Con podcast profile. Go ahead and just click on the link tree and it sends you right to all of our different links, our Instagrams, our whatnots. They're in there. Go ahead and follow that so you can make sure that you'll... Uh, and then we'll probably be talking comic book stuff, right? Because I'm yeah. sure there's going to be more news that's going to be dropping by the time this uh, this episode drops, so... It's going to be a little like a bonus Comic-Con podcast yeah. episode a little bit on whatnot. And uh, I'm sh selling some books, shooting the shit. Um, I'm planning on doing a giveaway as well. I'll be giving away a slab for sure, depending on like, uh, haven't thought about the rules yet. Probably on like, you know, buy so much, you get an entry in the slab and uh, I'm still trying to pick out the slab. We'll see. I got a couple good options though. But um, yeah, it should be a lot of fun, man. I'm actually looking forward to it. Yeah, too bad we can't record though. That'd be really cool. I guess if you had OBS, I think there's a way like that you record it and like then we can yeah. kind of post it as like a we can even not even the video episode. side, just to have like the audio side because I, I mean I could record myself on here, but it wouldn't be a way to like record you where you would sound good. So yeah, 
in the future we'll have to figure that out i'm also looking into things of uh how to do certain things um for the podcast soon so cool uh yep that's it here at everybody from the comic-con podcast zach and myself episode 26 season two we are halfway through the year we have literally not missed a week nailed it we will be taking that week off when terrific con comes but we'll probably be doing something special so again if anybody has ideas or want certain things for terrific con what you want to see again drop us a line either at the comic-con podcast on our instagram or at the comic-con podcast at gmail.com that's it everybody peace out see you next